your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! Welcome to the TRN Time Machine. We are here going back to the early 80s and... We're going to talk about the G.I. Joe animated series. And this week, the TRN Time Machine is sponsored by Retro Days. Head on over to retro-days.org. They've got a great new... I don't know if you've seen this, Mick. They've got a great new like Pokemon-style card battling game. It's mm-hmm. called Extreme All-Star Nostalgia Battle. And I told you before, maybe a couple episodes ago, that I just couldn't get into playing Pokemon with my son, but now you put in characters like Daniel LaRusso and Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah, I'm going to, you're going to capture my attention that way. But I clicked over there, uh, played for a little while. It's fun, man. It's, it's great. Just, it's an easy setup and to, to do the battling and you're collecting cards. You're like collecting wax packs almost, and you're opening them up. You get your cards and, and then you go and battle within different areas of this map. It's fun, man. You guys need to check that out over there. You can get right to it from the Retro Days homepage. I've not got to play it yet, but all the games Tony has had like that over at Retro Days have been fun. And he actually turned his Retro Manic game into an actual board game a couple years ago that I've got a copy of. Oh, nice. And the kids and I, they like that game. They really like it. And uh, yeah, that people need to go over to Retro Days and see about procuring their own their own home version of retro manic board game to play. Cool. Yeah. And then make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Like we mentioned, uh, the latest RD's detention is all about the Domino's Noid. It was really great. I uh, just watched it a couple of days ago, I think when it dropped. So, and we put a link up in the TRN theater, which is basically a, a post on our site on the retro network site with that video. So you can find it right from our site as well. And watch mm-hmm. that. Very funny stuff. And those guys do a great job. Adam and uh, Tony. So, G.I. Joe, man. G.I. Joe. What was your first experience? Because the way I think it went was they made the toys, they made a comic book series, and then the animated series came, right? Uh, well, yeah, the cartoon was last. I'm not sure if it was the comic book or the toy first i want to say it was the toy because larry hama ended up uh who done all the file cards for the toys wrote the comic book yeah it might have been released at the same time yeah Yeah. maybe that's that was it for me though uh my first experience was my brother had a couple gi joe men the original series with the straight arms and not the swivel arms Mm -hmm. and people who know the toys will know what i'm talking about and then he got the sky striker jet and i was instantly hooked and i think a lot of it was the taboo aspect because i was not allowed to touch the sky striker i was barely (laughs) able to touch the two or three figures he had and i don't want to go too far off on toys because like you and i talked i didn't want to talk toys today because i could go for hours and hours just on that and i want to save it but that is what prompted me to know what gi joe was and it was through him when the uh we missed the revenge of cobra miniseries but when it started coming on every afternoon on our local Fox affiliate as the afternoon after school cartoon, 
man, I was just blown away with the characters, the animation, mm-hmm. the stories, everything. And from that point on, it was all G.I. Joe cartoons, toys, the whole shebang for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember specifically which came first for me. It was likely the cartoon because I've got vivid memories mainly of that Revenge of Cobra miniseries when that came out. I believe it was 84. I think that was the second miniseries. The first one was The Mass Device, and that was like maybe fall of 83. But um, I remember that because the the part where they captured Duke and he's in that like arena of sport or whatever, and Cobra mm-hmm. Commander's making them battle each other, and they've got those like headbands that like lit up, you know, it was weird. That always stuck out in my mind because you remember back in the day when your mom would like take your temperature with those little temperature strips <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was light up to like different colors. I, I was like, mom, are you putting like a mind control device on me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of, I've always associated those specifically with Duke having that on his head at the, <laughs> the arena <laughs> being trapped there. And you know, that was, I don't know. I, I made that connection back in the day. And I can't remember if I did watch the Mass Device miniseries, but the part where Snake Eyes get stuck behind like that ice wall and they have to like leave him behind, that always was prominent to me. I was like, no, Snake Eyes, you can't just leave him. He's stuck there. He's going to die. <laughs> you know, uh, it, he's, I think it's him and Scarlet, right? They like almost like touch hands through the ice wall and. Well, I don't know. You know that, which is that weird because with me. The, the part that about the cartoon and was the way they paired everything off different from the comic book, mm-hmm. which in the cartoon, it was Duke and Scarlet. You, you know, you kind of knew they had something going on, on the side. They were sneaking behind the tanks in the, in the garage at night. But uh, in the comic book, which I got the comic books last out of everything. Me too. And so what happened in the cartoon was my canon. And I'm reading the comic books. I'm like, what is Scarlet doing with Snake Eyes? Does Duke know? (laughs) Yeah. But but that was the actual romance. uh, Which we learned, going back to speaking of the mass device for a second, mm -hmm. we learned in our great post over at the RetroNetwork.com about old 80s cartoons, the mass device being the fact that it was shown in five parts over five nights made it the very first animated miniseries in television history. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I was the same way. I didn't start reading comics till about like five years ago. I, I just never got into comic books as a kid. And then it, when I started collecting and that's the most, uh, from one series that I collect is from that original Marvel run of GI Joe. I you start reading through some of that and you're like, what? No, that can't be right. <laughs> you know? And it is because you're, you know, you're watching the cartoon five days a week and you're stuck in that world and Flint and Lady J have a thing. And and the it, cartoon and, and the comic book both featured different sets of characters. Like the cartoon through most of its run featured the same core set of characters and you'd have episodes that had different, I'm going to say, right. I don't say guest stars, but they would focus on somebody they didn't normally focus on. Whereas the comic book, it was mostly focused on Stalker, Scarlet, snake eyes the whole snake eyes storm shadow kinship which you didn't really get in the cartoon so it was a different world even though it was written by the same 
person. Well, no, the cartoons weren't written by Hammett, were they? No, no. Yeah. Cartoons were Ron Friedman, I believe, was writing those. And uh, it's funny, he was writing for... He was actually the one that wrote the Transformers movie, you know, where Optimus dies. And I was listening to him on the uh, the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. They had him on a couple times. He's a great interview just for his whole career. But just talking about that and like the blowback that he got for killing off Optimus. And I think he's got a memoir out now that's uh, called something to the effect of I killed Optimus Prime or something. Yeah, he, his his spin on it is, you know, almost a 180 in some aspects as what Larry Hama wrote, who, I don't know, I, I call him the godfather of G.I. Joe, or at yep. least G.I. Joe, real American hero. He's still writing uh, issues to this day. I got a chance to meet him last year. Have you ever met Larry Hama? No, I have not. Oh, my gosh. He is such a personable guy as you'll ever meet. I got a couple fun pictures with him and he's just sitting at his table. He takes commissions right there. You tell him what your favorite character is and he'll draw it up for you, sign it, and you come pick it up later. That's all he does. He just kind of sits in his booth. He draws his commissions and he'll interact with people as they come up and awesome guy. I'd like to get a chance to meet him. Oh, it's great. And uh, I got him to sign a, a couple of my favorite books in there, but getting back to the, the, the cartoon, are you sure exactly where you kind of came in? Was it, it was, so it was after like they released the first two miniseries. Yeah, it uh, had to have been because I don't remember ever seeing any of the animated adventures until we were watching them on a daily basis. Now they usually opened up each season, uh, you know, every time it run through the series, the first episodes would be those miniseries. So mm-hmm. I saw them early, but I don't believe I saw them when they were a standalone Okay. Yeah, because they did run those in, I guess, what you would call reruns throughout the afternoons when you're they'll throw in those miniseries. And I think they did that for, I guess, what they call season two that started out with the Serpentor miniseries, which was great. I think that's my favorite. They, they always go epic with the, the miniseries and you're going to different parts of the world and there's different teams that go out and you're going to... Iceland and you're going to the tropics and you're, you know, going to the jungles. They don't, they don't call it the tropics and they don't call it the art. <laughs> they got cool names. You're, right. you're going to the point of no return. <laughs> you know, the jungle of terror. Yeah. I mean, you're it's... going to see the lady of the third eye. You know, you got some <laughs> cool names for stuff that you don't have the city of the dead. <laughs> yeah. What I liked about the Serpentor series was, they introduced a, a lot of the new characters. So you get those new characters with the old characters, and then you're going to these specific places, the pyramids and the, you know, all the other places to get these, these, the Dracula's DNA, or what, you know, all the stuff that they're putting in to make Serpentor. We've got to get uh, to the devil's bathtub and stop Cobra commander. <laughs> the devil's bathtub. <laughs> hey, that's a real, that's a real place here in Virginia, my friend. Oh, really? Yeah, some natural hot springs. But anyway, it fits the theme. You know what I mean? They, right, yeah. They, they done a great job instead of saying, well, we've got to go to Australia. to." <laughs> yeah. Right, right. We've got to go to the sandstorm desert, is what yeah. they would say. The, the cave of the scorpions, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what are, like, did you, was there some favorite characters, some that you kind of gravitated towards more than others? Yeah, uh, I think it was a combination of the cartoon character and the toy version that made me such a big fan of the character Shipwreck, because that was an awesome toy, but the, the, his character portrayal and the voice acting, and he got used a lot in the cartoon. You know, he was in, gosh, what would you say? 70% or better of all the episodes. And he had meaningful parts in most of those too. And matter of fact, he starred in several episodes. So shipwreck was a big favorite. And I always liked, again, I think it was a combo of the toy and the character, but I was a big fan of spirit. I thought he was like the baddest GI Joe because he, he talked in that low, slow voice. And I'm like, this dude means business right here. This dude, he walks soft and carries a big stick. And he's got an Eagle uh, too, man. Yes. He's got an Eagle. The dude's got everything. The martial arts, he could go toe to toe with storm shadow. And they showed that a couple of times during right, the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really like spirit too. And then on the Cobra side, I've always been, it's probably from my fandom of pro wrestling. I always tend to, to lean more towards, the villains, which in any type of fiction, if it's done well, the villain is always should be the more interesting character. Mm-hmm. So Cobra Commander, Destro, Zartan, the Dreadnoughts, Baroness, Serpentor, like I said from that miniseries, Dr. Mindbender. I loved all those characters in the G.I. Joe cartoons. Yeah. they. I mean, just the... It's the voice acting, too. There's such great voice acting in the series. And once you get that comboed with some great stories then it's just hard to beat it's hard to not like <laughs> even the 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 characters you would think were so far out there you know even the cobra lock characters you know we'll get to the movie in a minute but yes. <laughs> globulus you know who is the penguin burgess meredith oh my mm-hmm. gosh of course i i don't know if i would have recognized that as a kid i probably did but Going back and watching it now, that's part of the the fun of it, too, is watching it with adult eyes versus, you know, what you remember as a kid and right. and t- honing in on some of those episodes. You're like, wow, this is intense for a, you know, even for a kid. But, well, you know, they done a great job. And you mentioned watching it as an adult. The stories were pretty tight within the episode. And it's a very watchable series now at air age. Right. Very true. Um, yeah, Shipwreck, he was just fun, man. He was just against the norm. He did his own thing. You know, he's hitting on all the girls. <laughs> he gets slapped a few times. He was just a fun character all the way around. And I gravitated towards a couple others. Uh, one was Dusty. I just liked his toy, too, with the whole desert gear and... He, I don't know, he was kind of like that Lone Ranger, too, sometimes. And one of my favorite episodes of his was when he seemingly goes to Cobra, and he's the traitor. Love that episode. But I like Dusty, and then for some reason, like, my favorite character, if I'm going back now to collect the toys, or if they put out new toys, I'm looking for Low Light. Low Light is the sniper. He was... Mm -hmm. He was a night spotter, you know, on the file card. They couldn't put sniper in there. But I just still shooting rats in junkyards at night. <laughs> That's what it says on his file card. There you go. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just liked his gear. And, you know, when you're a kid and you get those army men, just like the, 
plain old green army man. I always loved the ones that could lay down were like the snipers. Mm-hmm. So maybe that had something to do with it that I liked low light. He was the sniper. His he had that rifle that came with the bipod, so you could try to lay him down and <laughs> pick off the Cobra officers, you know. And then yeah, I on the the bad guys, I'll say I like Firefly. He was always fun. Just kind of menacing. He always came out of nowhere to, you know, put a bomb on something and then he was gone. So he was, he was never, uh, never in a fair fight really from the times that I remember him during the show, but the, the blue camo, you know, Oh, I just love that. That was great. I dressed up like firefly just a few years ago for Halloween. Ooh, we need that picture on Patreon. I'll put it up there. It's it's actually probably on my uh, Instagram buried uh, for rediscover the eighties. But yeah, my two boys were uh, from Halo. They they had the Halo costumes. I was like, I'm gonna dress up this year. And I I had some blue camo pants, and I I ordered a blue camo shirt, and I found one of those little uh, sleeves, whatever you call them, the head sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was Firefly. I, I used a nice red Sharpie to make a Cobra symbol on my shoulder. So, yeah, man. Well, I love uh, Firefly. We had my cousin Tim and I. I remember one year for Christmas, my mother got each one of us one of the Family Home Entertainment VHS tapes with oh, the cartoons on yes. it. Yes. Which, and I posted an ad on Retro Ramblings here. It's been over a year ago from a comic book that you could get those suckers for just twenty nine ninety nine each. <laughs> Which just in, 29.99 each yes and this was from 1985 a steal. a steal well in today's dollars that's about 85 bucks. <laughs> yeah for one 23 minute episode so you didn't even get anyway, two episodes on there huh no they only had one episode on each one but that was part of kind of looking back on it from an adult's eyes part of the appeal because the box art for each tape was based on that individual episode. Mm-hmm. So you have them all and it's this nice art collection, but I got um, the episode satellite down and Tim got the fun house and we slapped about wore those things out before our Christmas break was over. And then we discovered at air and we'll have to do a pot on this one day, a uh, time machine segment on our first video store memories. But the little tiny town of Glade had this video store, rental and they had four other tapes there and we were just begging all the time every time somebody went to the video <laughs> store can you get gi joe can you get gi joe and so we would somebody would get one of those and we'd put airs up and watch that one back to back to back to back to back to back to back over the course of the day you had it we'd probably watch it 15 times uh i still have my vhs copy of satellite down that's something nice. i've held on to all these years that just shows you how much I appreciate and enjoyed this cartoon that of all the things I threw away or got lost or got rid of or broken, that one survived. Nice. Yeah. It's something about it. Still, I could turn on Tubi and watch GI Joe and it's, it's not quite the same, but if I had a VCR and pop that tape in and watch mm-hmm. it, man, it'd be like I was seven, eight years old again. And that cartoon, like I said, most of the episodes, had some far-reaching stuff in them. Some mm-hmm. of the machines or things, the technology was a little advanced for the time. 
But generally on a whole, you can still sit down and watch G.I. Joe and not feel like your intelligence has been insulted. You'll still be entertained. Yeah. You can. And now as an adult, you really can sit, like you were saying, and appreciate the voice acting and what's going into that. They did. Like you mentioned that they done a fantastic job. All those voice actors did. Well, just uh, thinking about that, I mean, and I know Michael Bell especially did a, a couple different voices. Um Chris uh, Lotta that did Cobra Commander, he was one of the Dreadnoughts, and you know they did multiple voices, so they usually had one good guy, one bad guy that they did, and you can hear it now. But as a kid, you're not paying attention to that stuff, so you don't really even care about that stuff. You care more about the the characters and the story, and and then going to reenact that with your toys, you know. Yeah, you know so, my only real criticism with the series, and it's I've. 100% understand why they did it. And as a parent, I'm glad they did it. But nobody ever got, I don't want to say killed, but you know what I mean. These guys are fighting, they're, they're opposing <laughs> armies, and nobody ever actually gets shot. Right. And they're not using bullets, they're using lasers, which look cool as can be. But nobody ever actually gets shot. And I 100% know why they done it, and I 100% agree with it. But that's the only thing that still to this day kind of takes me out of it when I'm watching it is. Just, yeah, there's no repercussions for all these evil deeds for Cobra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and every vehicle, every jet was like a uh, parachute creator. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> every time one gets hit, you see that parachute pop out. And yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. We can get into the movie now, but I, that was a big part of the swap. There, they were gonna kill off Duke in the movie, mm-hmm. and since they had such backlash from transformers from killing off optimus they changed it and i don't know if you remember the last time you watched the movie i mean it's been probably about a year for me since i watched it but if you watch it you see that moment when duke kind of passes out or or falls over and you see the i, I can't remember who it is that the tear scarlet, scarlet. Mm-hmm. and then you hear this kind of delayed oh he's in a coma or something yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's to- totally doesn't match what's going on on screen, so you can definitely tell that was shoehorned in. But yeah, but yeah, it, I mean it, we didn't need to die in that movie anyway. To you know, it, <laughs> they uh, no, going into a coma was fine. I, I understand they're wanting to go for shock value, but after hundreds of episodes where nobody ever gets shot or dies, all of a sudden, of course, now he did get impaled in the heart with a snake. Right, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I think it was fine that he was in a coma. It, it didn't bother me as a kid. As a kid and watching it and you didn't know the backstory that they had changed it, it just, it all seemed natural. Yeah, it He'd didn't affect you at all. At right. Yeah, it, it just seemed like a natural progression of the story. I still have my VHS copy. I think it's the FHE copy of G.I. Joe the movie, and I have refused to convert it over to DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> Every time I watch it, I got to pop it in the VCR. Which I'll say this, it the story of the movie made a lot more sense with Duke being in a coma than it did with him dying. Because if Duke had died, the response from G.I. Joe should have been a major can of whip ass opened up and just obliterating Cobra from the map. And that didn't happen. Right. So, you know, it made, like I said, it all seems natural looking back. Yeah, well, it still served the purpose like of Falcon stepping up, not being as lazy ass self and <laughs> you know kind of pushing things forward but yeah i mean 
it worked. It worked as a kid. It wasn't really a big deal. But now, now you you can tell now. Yeah, now since we're on the movie, uh-huh. I remember them advertising that. Like so, it the cartoon came on our local Fox affiliate every afternoon at four o'clock, mm-hmm. and they started hyping the movie, and it was shown, you know, in prime time on the same channel. I'm almost positive of that that it was on Fox for me, mm-hmm. and I remember looking forward to that. That was event television, and. It, the movie parts of it have got a bad rap through the years, but at the time and even now, man, that movie was just entertaining. I just really enjoyed it. I did too, man. I, you know, a lot of people poop on Cobra Law and how that whole world was created, and it was uh, not necessary to have all that backstory for Cobra. But I, mean, I don't mind it at all. I really. Well, don't. I'll agree. It wasn't necessary, but it still made for an entertaining movie. It did. I was trying to remember when I first watched it because I want to say that they split it up into like five, like almost like a mini series and showed it in the afternoons after it, you know, it had been featured or released to as a movie itself. And I think right. that's where and I might have watched it first that way. Back in the old days of, you know, local affiliates and syndicated television, I'd say a lot of people had it either or both ways. You know, it was probably added with the collection of that season or whatever. And maybe my local Fox affiliate decided to make it a one night event mm-hmm. because we watched it. I remember, and it was before, was it before or after we moved now, that part? I don't remember, but I can remember watching it all in one sitting, the whole movie at home okay. on television. Cool. Well, before we get any further, did you want to run through? Cause we've got, uh, We've got our own like top five episode list that we did on our old sites that we're going to re-release on the Retro Network. Um, did you want to buzz through those, or what do you want to do? Well, let's save that for people to go check out. Okay, okay. Uh, which we'll get to this here in just a little bit on the show, too. But Jason's list, we've got two separate lists of our five favorite episodes, and we each picked our favorite miniseries as part of that, that we wrote. This has been a couple of years ago now, but since we were talking about this, I brought those up to Jason. Like we need to move those to the retro network and just do a whole mm-hmm. kind of week of GI Joe cartoons. So you can check Jason's list out on Wednesday and you'll be able to find my list on Thursday this week. I did hint at one of those episodes. So yes, you which did. Is, which is the dusty <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fun. It, we just kind of break down, the plot of the episode and why we chose it as one of our favorites. And it was fun because we were both worried we're going to copy. We're going to have to come up with like a list of 12 and (laughs) all right, you take this one and you take this one because we would both pick the same one for our top five. And we didn't pick any similar ones in our, either of our top five lists, which worked out great. No, we didn't. But in our initial list, we both had a few. And I think we danced around the subject and we both just picked other episodes that we knew the other one didn't have. We ended up with 10 totally separate episodes. Okay. Okay. And a few of our favorites got left by the wayside. So I remember one of those was, uh, what's the title of the episode? Castle Destro or something. Anyway, where, uh, no skeletons in the closet. Was that the name of it? Lady J inherits a castle or something and turns out it belonged to Destro's ancestors and they're there performing some medieval 
something or other in the basement and lady J's in a nightgown and her and Destro have a romantic fling for a week. No, wait, that didn't happen. Did it? Uh, (laughs) But we both mentioned that. And I think it, some of those types of episodes were some of my favorites where they were outside of the norm. And you, you know, you already kind of tipped off one of your favorite episodes. One of mine was the Excalibur episode. And it's a good example of, Typically, Cobra's got some new weapon or some new plan. G.I. Joe unveils it and they have to stop it. Well, every now and then, they would get outside of that, like the Castle Destro or Skeletons in the Closet, and like Excalibur, where Storm Shadow finds the legendary sword Excalibur at the bottom of the lake. So those episodes were always really cool. And I'm glad they've done a lot of, I ain't going to say they've done a lot, but they've done a fair amount of those episodes. Yeah, there were several they get into those kind of mythical, you get those mythical properties with that and then different dimensions and just, yeah, just kind of weird stuff like that. More than just a straight up Cobra versus G.I. Joe battle because Cobra wants to, whatever, take over the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, those were fun. It added a lot more, a different element to just a straight up good versus bad army battle you know, mm-hmm. so that was good. Um, now where did you go from the movie? Did you get into the Deke series from 89 and some of the other later ones like renegades or Sigma six or any of those? Well, renegades and Sigma six were never on my radar until you and I talked about this podcast. <laughs> so I can't speak to that. The other series, I guess I kind of, well, I don't want to say I ended with the movie because again on my local syndicated after the movie was incorporated to the other episodes, they just started over at the beginning and I still watched GI Joe for a long time. So much so into the nineties when it was on USA cartoon express in the mornings, when I was going to high school, I would set a VCR tape and record it one after the other. I've got multiple VHS tapes of those recordings and nobody that I knew of ever played that newer series until it was well into past its prime, I seen it in syndication somewhere and mm-hmm. tried watching a few episodes on its own. It's a fine cartoon. It, it's, it's good. It's got some of the fun GI Joe characters from the later years of the toy line and the stories. It's just when you, in my mind, when you compare it to the real American series, it's just, isn't that good, but on its own with its own characters in a world where real American hero never existed, that would probably be a great cartoon, but mm-hmm. since it lives in the world that we grew up in, it, it, it fails to live up to what I grew up with. Yeah, and I can see that. I've actually never watched the whole series myself. Uh, I, I just started watching thanks to Tubi recently just to see what it was like. And yeah, you get some of the characters, Sergeant Slaughter, and you still get Cobra Commander in his whatever armor that he wears in that series. And the same voice actors on some of those, but it's you know mainly new characters that you're trying to, at least I'm trying to get a feel for. Whereas you know the original Real American Hero series, episode ninety or something might have had a character that was featured in the first miniseries. So they were they're so interchangeable, and you just never know what character was is going to be next when you're watching that whole series featured you know um they obviously they did add some characters once serpentor came around like low light and lifeline and, and some of those other later characters but 
they were still interacting. And they still kept that core group of Flint and Duke and, you know, and even Destro and the Baroness and everybody on the, the Cobra side. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's almost like watching a different show, even based on the characters we know looking different, like Cobra Commander. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sit through it and see. Maybe I'll put an article up on the Retro Network after I get done with it. Just to just thoughts and notes on what I'm watching that for the first time because uh, I just never. It was in that transition period more or less for me. 89, 90 at 1990. I'm going into high school, so I'm transitioning out of that you know playtime mentality for a lot of these action figures and shows. And of course, that never stopped me from watching, like you know, Legends of the Hidden Temple and Double Dare and stuff on Nickelodeon when I was well, in high school. But you know, that's because those shows were live action; they weren't cartoon, <laughs> right? Yeah, live action. You could convince uh, yourself you were, you know, doing yeah. better. <laughs> and some of the later shows, I do remember watching Renegades. Um, trying to remember what network that was on. Because that was, I, I think that might be only like a 10 episode series, something like, it was a pretty short run, if, if memory serves me correctly. And it was more gritty and more real world stuff. Uh, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts were on uh, like a biker gang, you know, they, it was uh, just a different take on a lot of those characters. And then you finally get to Cobra Commander towards the end of the show. It's been a while since I watched it, but I, I enjoyed it for what it's worth. And I never watched any of the other series like Sigma Six or I think there was one called Extreme, something like that. But yeah, it's always been the real American hero for me too, man. It, always that's the reference point. Mm-hmm. So and they it really need a thermometer or barometer, thermometer, whatever people say. <laughs> it's one of them. They really need to take those stories that that style, that real American hero and put into a, a movie if they're going to keep moving forward. I know they're doing snake eyes, but I wish they'd tap into that world more, more so like they did with Bumblebee, the, the most recent Bumblebee and the, the original G1 characters. I thought that that was just a, a miles towards what we want versus what we got with like Michael Bay. But we, we can save the, the live action movies for a later time. Like you said, we're trying to stick with the animation, but I've got some choice thoughts on the, the live action movies. <laughs> you said you've never watched them, right? You've never, right. I've never watched them. Just never wanted to yeah. ruin your don't, childhood. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't want to tarnish, uh, which now maybe I should give them a shot because you talk about collecting the old Marvel comic series. I was the same way. And then back in, 2000 image released a new gi joe series and i was real skeptical i'm like i you know mm-hmm. i don't want to see what they're going to do and yada 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 well i waited till it was about six issues in and i started buying them and they had done such a great job of picking right up where it was like our television reboots of today here it is you know mm-hmm. since the original series ended it's been 12 years whatever and da 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 and they're picking up they're a little older they're a little fatter they're a little out of shape they're putting gi joe back together and it was a really good comic book series so maybe i would feel the same way if i tried watching the movies that eh, this ain't so bad but i just haven't given them that shot yet no no <laughs> <laughs> i mean you've got to take you've really got to take the name gi joe besides snake eyes and storm shadow looking 
you know, pretty much what you think they should look like. It really shouldn't be named G.I. Joe at all. And <laughs> it's it just doesn't have that. My main qualm, and we'll we'll end it with this, but uh, my main qualm is just they gave them all these like power-up suits and all of their uniforms were the same. And you don't have that distinction. You don't have that creativity and the the just personality of the original characters in those movies at all. And they just everybody just kind of blends in with this is G.I. Joe as one team. And that was just what was so great, man. I mean, th- you know, back in the day, and a lot of these cartoons did that where, yeah, there's there might be some stereotypes and they might have taken that stereotype way too far, even with spirit, you know, a little bit of the Native American stuff and just uh, all those di- the different uh, races and how they portrayed them back in the day. Like but, Roadblock always making rhymes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was still it was still part of the character to distinguish him from whoever else. Dusty, who's the backwoods hick. Maybe that's why I liked him so much. But uh, anyway, you know what I mean? It, it, they can't do that nowadays in the way that it was back then. And I understand that. But it still made the characters too generic for me yeah. to, to make it G.I. Joe. But anyway. Um, so that's that, uh, anything else you want to add as far as the cartoon series? No, I just can't wait until we find the time to talk about the toys because they were a lot of cool toys that went along with G.I. Joe. Speaking of Sky Striker, I got the Sky Striker for Christmas would have been probably like 83 or maybe 84. It was soon after it was out and I still have my original Sky Striker. That's one thing. That's one thing that I have refused to let go to anyone. And I still keep my kids away from it. It's <laughs> it's in my living room sitting on top of my little display shelf. Oh, man. And, you need to do something better with that. You need to get some fishing line where it's kind of invisible and hang it well, like at an angle in the corner, like it's banking and I, coming I, into the living room. I've got to restore it. That's what I really need to do. I need to restore it. I need a fresh set of stickers, and I need a way to get the old ones off there and get you know get it back to more of a white color versus yellow (laughs) that's gonna be the hard part the stickers are no big deal you can take those off you can buy reprints of stickers now but getting that that plastic just about don't come unyellowed yeah it's it's pretty pathetic but it's still you know part of me part of my childhood and i'll display it until the thing falls apart if i have to (laughs) anyway yeah we'll, we'll definitely circle around to the toys at some point because gosh there's just so many i remember playing with as a kid and wanting and friends wanting to go over to friends houses just so we could play with the raven you know oh my gosh that thing was glorious but anyway we'll get into all that later but yeah this was uh, man i just love going in the time machine back mm-hmm. in these times and just thinking about being a kid watching gi joe and We've got so many others to get to on this show. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, this this podcast could roll on for the next 20 years, and we probably wouldn't touch every time machine topic we want to. True. Very true. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you listening. Give us your thoughts on G.I. Joe on the website. You can leave it right there to the podcast notes. Uh, hit us up on social media. Love to hear some of your favorites from the cartoon series. Where did you come in? Did you come in with the miniseries or maybe later when it was in syndication? 
uh, some of your favorite episodes, characters. Would love to hear that this week uh, as we are continuing almost like a G.I. Joe theme throughout the week. <laughs>